Welcome, neighbors, to the Tech Night Owl Live. Feature this week, of course, is the discussion about Steve Jobs' decision to take another medical leave of absence from Apple and the stellar record earnings that Apple reported. We'll talk about other tech news as well with Stephen Baker, a vice president for the NPD Group, and also Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, all coming up this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> We have Stephen Baker, a vice president for the NPD Group, joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. And in the past, we've had Stephen, we've had Ross Rubin. We've talked about, you know, how the tech industry is doing whenever Apple has a quarterly statement. We go into that. We've covered Microsoft. We've covered 3D TVs. But I thought, Stephen, just to get started, because we have so many new listeners who joined us in the past six or eight months since we joined the GCN Radio Network, Maybe you could explain just what the NPD group is. How did it come to be? Sure. Uh, NPD is a market research company. And what we really do is in for tech in the U.S., and we also um, do it in Canada as well, is we work with a lot of the major retailers, distributors, and commercial resellers. They send us their sales numbers every week or every month down to the SKU level. Just to cover this, the SKU level is basically the catalog number of a product, right? The item, the specific item. So the MacBook Air number 12345. So we know down to the very item level what is selling everywhere. And we aggregate all those sales together and create reports that we sell to the manufacturers, financial firms, advertising companies, uh, all sorts of uh, different constituents who want to know exactly what's happening in the marketplace. So we don't rely on the manufacturers or other people who might have a vested interest in telling us what they're doing. We get the sales directly uh, from the retailers, and they re- reflect actual uh, sales to end users. So, you know, we think that's a great methodology. Uh, we also have a consumer panel of a couple of million people in the U.S. who we survey every week and ask them what kind of products they bought, why they bought them. So we have demographic information and some other information that you can't readily access from the cash register tapes at Staples or Best Buy. Now, just to be cynical for a second, how do you know that retailers are giving you accurate information? Because obviously a retailer being a commercial business wants to look good. Well, uh, we don't report retailers' shares. We give all the data back to the retailers so that they can see how well they're doing and what's selling. So if they gave us bad data, all the data that would go back to them would be bad. As an ex-retailer myself, I spent 10 years almost at Staples. I can tell you that it would be a lot more difficult for them to program 
their computer systems to send us bad data than it would be to send us the actual point of sale data. You know, we're pretty confident that there isn't anybody from the retailer standpoint would want to game the system. And to emphasize again, you don't just cover personal technology products, right? Uh, NPD as a company doesn't just do technology. We obviously do video games. We have some some assets and toys and movies and music. And as a corporate entity, we also track things like apparel, beauty, auto parts, restaurants, and eating habits in the U.S. as well. So we're a pretty big company, um, privately held, and pretty successful right now. Let me just ask you about eating habits before we go on to technology, okay? Okay. Eating habits, okay. So they say that Americans are getting fatter and fatter. So are you seeing this in your studies? Well, I'm not the eating habits expert, but my understanding is that, yes, we do see that. We also tend to see that people tend to kid themselves about, you know, they think they're eating healthy, but they're not. Or most people tell us that they want to eat healthy, and then when they tell us what they've eaten, it's really not a surprise to any of us. They don't really eat healthy. Uh, The story I always tell that I heard from our restaurant group is that, you know, maybe 10 years ago, something like 99% of all hamburgers in restaurants were served with french fries. And, you know, in the last few years, certainly we've heard a lot about, you know, salads and fruit and all these other options that people now have in the restaurants. And now it's like 98% of all people still order french fries with their hamburgers. You know, we all need to lose a few pounds. I'll make myself a crazy exception here, okay? I haven't had french fries except maybe a piece or two. In several years, when I go to the hamburger joint, I want to get something really cheap. I'll get the hamburger without the mayonnaise, without the cheese, and I'll have a salad or maybe a baked potato. Some offer baked potatoes instead of the french fries. That's just me. I'm not trying to say I'm better than anybody else, but, you know, that's what I try to do. Anyway, let's get to personal technology. Okay, Okay, good. The news breaks on Monday of this week. Steve Jobs is taking another leave of absence for medical reasons. Before we go on to what happened after that, have you folks at NPD heard any more? Is it just whatever the speculation has been? You know, whatever's out there is the same kind of things we would have heard. You know, we're not financial analysts, so we don't really want to deal in rumors and speculation. Okay, so the stock market after hours trading or preliminary trading before Tuesday, because it was a holiday on Monday, we see somewhat of an erosion that continued through Tuesday until Apple released its quarterly financials and most of it was forgotten. Apple seems to be doing really, really well, always better than the analysts estimate. Now, why is that? You know, in general, analysts are pretty conservative. They want to reflect, the financial analysts, they want to reflect what the companies are telling them. And certainly, you know, Apple is always very, very conservative as well. So while I know there's some people who track how well the analysts do, you know, the fact is, is that they're guided by the company. And, you know, Apple doesn't necessarily give them guidance that would direct them to predict these kind of blowout quarters that Apple seems to have quarter after quarter. It kind of reminds me of this line in the movie Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. I'm paraphrasing. Okay, Captain Kirk says to Scotty, do you always overestimate your estimates of how long it'll take to repair the Enterprise? And he says, sure, Captain, how else can I retain my reputation as a miracle worker? <laughs> well, you know, and, and it, this isn't just endemic to Apple. Most companies try to under-promise and over-deliver. And in fact, I think most of us in the real world try to under-promise and over 
over deliver as well. Okay, but in saying that, in doing your surveys of retail sales, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Do you survey online sales too? You bet. Okay, so in your survey of sales, did you get a sense of where Apple would be going in terms of their financial results? Sure, and, and you know a lot of the financial analysts are clients of ours, and they look at some of our data. And I think you know certainly from a Mac and an iPod perspective, you know our data was pretty correct directionally. iPad, I think that was probably the biggest surprise. We're not reporting iPad sales quite yet. But, you know, I think from some of the noise we heard, clearly when you looked at the analyst uh, projections, I think they were low and that certainly turned out to be the case. I mean, that was probably the biggest miss, I think, in terms of products. Even when you look at phones, phones weren't nearly as big a jump over what the analysts had projected as the iPads were. And, you know, from a gross margin perspective, which, you know, is a pretty important piece of the pie, you know, Apple had a really strong gross margin in this quarter as well. And that's what ultimately leads to those great earnings per share numbers. What's the secret with Apple? How come they earn bigger profits than anyone else because of the perceived reputation of having higher prices or just smart purchasing or both? Well, it's certainly not a perceived reputation of charging higher prices. The fact is iPhones and Macs, especially, even to some extent iPods, are more expensive than their equivalents in their competitors' products. And even if you look at iPads right now, you know, iPads generate a pretty high average selling price compared to what limited competition is out there. So yeah, they charge a lot, but they also have, you know, a tremendous supply chain. And when you're a $26 billion or a quarter company, you have some pretty strong connections in Asia to be able to get the right price for pretty much every component you would want to get. So a lot of it also is the purchasing power of Apple. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from some many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can download a version that is mostly full-featured. Try it out, and if you like it, it's just $34.95 for Graphic Converter from LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-S-O-F-T.com. LemkeSoft.com for my favorite Graphic Converter. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. 
also on super sale. Olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate formula, Oregacillin Physician Strength Capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The guest is Stephen Baker, a vice president for the NPD Group, doing lots of retail research, finding out how you folks made your decisions with regard to various technology products right now. We're covering Apple and how well they did. And the perception, of course, that Apple is higher price. But isn't it also that Apple will not play in the cheap gear arena? They won't build the cheaper gear. They could, but they don't. 
for the most part, that's true. Certainly, they have some products that are pretty inexpensive. Some of the lower-priced iPods, the iPod Shuffle is pretty inexpensive, and they're happy to, um, you know, let AT&T sell uh, old iPhones for 49 or $99 as well. So Apple wants to be a mass-market company as much as they want to be, you know, a, a higher-end company, and they need to balance the need to have products that are affordable uh, across the line. They, they may be better. They may be built better. And again, this isn't an Apple thing. I think this is a generic issue across, you know, most of these things, and especially in, in places like the U.S., where, you know, there's a lot of complaints about quality and, you know, how good one product is versus another. There's always alternatives. The problem ends up being that from an absolute dollar perspective, uh, when you provide people with the alternatives that maybe have a you know, better build quality or a better backing quality like Apple will provide, um, you know, that costs more. Those prices are higher. And you do cut out a big segment of the population who, while it may in the long run be cheaper for them to buy a MacBook Pro versus uh, you know, Toshiba Notebook, most people don't live in the long term. Most people live in the short term. They have to come up with that money at the point of purchase. And, you know, it's a big difference for most people to spend $1,200 or $500. Of course, though, now with AT&T and Apple selling the previous generation iPhone for $49, that's just a very slight step up from free. Uh, that's true. Absolutely. And again, that's one of the ways that Apple can um, build its market share and build its um, presence in the in the uh, consumer's home is by having things that are a little less expensive as well. And you know, while we said that their products tend to be relatively high priced, I mean, the fact of the matter is is that Apple wants to be a mass market company in most of their product categories, and they're going to work very hard to find ways to balance the cost of doing business for them and the margins that they need to deliver to make their company run with uh, the volumes that they want to uh, drive into the marketplace. So, you know, they do a pretty good job of that, uh, obviously, and in, in that's reflected in their earnings and, and in the success of most of their products. You know, one of the things I've done is comparisons of value. So, for example, yeah, you can buy a $500 notebook, and maybe some of the specs look similar to the $999 Apple MacBook. But when you do the real comparison, what I mean is the real comparison here is, for example, say you compare spec for spec, hardware for hardware, software bundle for software bundle. I mean, a really granular kind of comparison. You find that Apple isn't so far off the mark. Maybe yeah, somewhat but, on the lower end, but when you take like a Mac Pro, which you can, you know, fill that up with everything on it sure. and get a $10,000 computer, you know, like the Macs, the Macintosh 2 of 1989, which was $10,000, you can do that with the Mac Pro. And then you go to a Dell Precision Workstation, which is a comparable product. That's Dell's equivalent of the Workstation product. You put in the same Intel Xeon processors and everything, prices are not that different. Often, Apple is cheaper. All right. Well, that may be the case on those higher end products, but I think when you talk about the consumer kind of products, I think my point that I made before sure. is the most relevant one. You can compare spec for spec all you want, but that's not how people buy. They look at the because bottom line. Not everybody can afford to spend twelve hundred dollars on a computer, just like you know we'd all like to have twenty five hundred dollar televisions, and not everybody can afford to spend that much on a television or spend. 
$2,000 on a refrigerator. Okay, so, now looking um, at prices, though, looking at prices, let's look at the $99 Apple TV. And then we have the $299 Logitech review with the Google TV. So am I wrong in saying that Google TV so far hasn't taken off that well? You know, the numbers we have, the, I think the review has done relatively well considering uh, that it is relatively expensive and that it's relatively limited in distribution and a little bit difficult for people to understand. Um, has Apple TV done well? Yeah, I mean, since they went to $99, but I don't think anybody's going to argue that any of those products have changed the direction of how consumers are consuming their uh, entertainment through their television and all the different boxes down there. All those products still, to my mind, remain confusing with an awful lot of choices that uh, don't add to people's understanding of what they might want, but just make it a little bit more difficult to figure out why they should get one of those products instead of just sticking with uh, cable or satellite subscription that they're familiar with. And that, frankly, you know, is pretty easy. You turn it on and it's right there. And, you know, as they bundle more and more services, certainly we're not going to see Cox Cable or DirecTV give you Netflix, but TV sets give you Netflix now. The new TV sets have Wi-Fi access, they have Netflix, they have all these other services, so suddenly you're taking away some of the charm of the separate boxes. Uh, you know, we can have a long discussion about that, and I actually think we did the last time we talked. Sure. Um, but, you know, the the fact is, I think that, you know, Blu-ray players have been very successful over the last, you know, six to nine months. And a big reason is because it's a very simple solution for people to get that Netflix streaming to their um, Blu-ray player to their television. We had an event at CES from NPD, and we talked a lot about you know, how we're seeing more and more services in those boxes. And things like Pandora is a great example of something that's ubiquitous at this point. Pretty much every one of those devices has some kind of uh, connection to Pandora. And, you know, we're starting to see a lot more interest among consumers in audio again, whether it's that audio, uh, you know, under the television, whether it's personal audio, um, headphones, or one of the great selling product categories this, this holiday season. So, um, you know, we can definitely change people's habits. It just takes a little while, and it has to be a very easy and simple solution for consumers to make those kind of um, decisions. Okay, so Apple TV is a hobby. Steve Jobs said they're trying to figure out how to make this work in the living room in light of the fact that you have the main set-top box for your cable or satellite provider free or a low-cost monthly rental, a trivial acquisition. So Apple sold, what was it, a million Apple TVs as of a few weeks ago. Is it making sense for them yet? That's a pretty small number for Apple. I mean, if you look, go back 10 years, if Apple could sell seven or 800,000 Macs in a quarter, that was a lot. Now Apple's new margins and new percentages, that's nothing. Right. I mean, a million sounds like a lot, but clearly it's not enough to change the direction of that market and of the opportunity there. So, um, you know, Apple's one of a number of companies that are trying to, you know, help people figure out what they should be doing with their uh, content and entertainment. We'll Apple figure TV more of this in a moment, by the way. We'll figure more of this okay. with cool. Stephen Baker, Vice President of NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins. 
a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. They all laughed when I told them my body cleansing tonic was tea, that after 10 days my body feels way more energized and I've lost nearly 15 pounds. <laughs> They're not laughing now. That's what John from Oklahoma said about life change tea. In the six months of being on the tea, all my digestive problems have cleared up. My energy levels have gone way up, and my constipation problems are no more. And that's what Michelle from California said about Life Change Tea from GetTheTea.com, the amazing all-natural tea that cleanses your body from toxins, chemicals, bacteria, viruses, and molds, while helping to lower high blood pressure, high cholesterol, lower blood sugar levels, and help you lose weight. Life Change Tea has no caffeine and is all-natural, all-organic. Go to GetTheTea.com today or call 928 308 0408. That's getthetea.com or call 928 308 0408. Life Change Tea really changes things. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved, guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafeone.com that's b-i-o-s-a-f-e-o-n-e.com biosafeone.com or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe one the guaranteed bio-friendly money-saving way to clean your septic system 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, Vice President there. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we're talking about whether Apple can ever turn Apple TV from a hobby to some kind of compelling player. Now, would Apple be better off, say, providing iTunes linkage to your TV set or your traditional cable or satellite box? I think, you know, obviously Apple's long-term goal that they have been thwarted in, and, you know, Google TV as well, is that the companies that hold the rights to all that content are not exactly sure that they want to hand over all that content on a very low subscription basis to the box companies like Google and Apple. And, you know, then you have the distributors, the Comcasts and Coxes of the world who don't necessarily want to give up, uh, you know, their place in that ecosystem as well. Uh, It's definitely an evolving space. And, you know, I think what everybody looks at is that, you know, there's billions and billions of dollars spent on entertainment content every year, whether it's cable and satellite subscriptions or NFL Red Zone or Video On Demand or Netflix and all those kind of things. And, you know, I think for the for the venture capitalists, they all see a huge opportunity there. If we can start to disintermediate even small pieces of the uh, distribution methods there, that's an awful lot of money. You know, 5% of our $100 billion is $5 billion. That's a lot of money. That's a big opportunity that um, there's obviously a lot of money out there chasing. All right. So we see the complexity of this. The other question I have is whether people – are still as apt to sign up with the all-in-one cable or satellite providers, their growth is not that much. Have they pretty much saturated their potential markets? They seem to be cannibalizing to some degree customers from the other services. So, of course, you have Dish Network and DirecTV saying, why be tethered to your cable? Of course, the cable says, well, we got these advantages. And if you look at pricing, the way the competition works, they're not that much different anymore. Uh, I think that's that's true. I think for the most part, it's not um, adding new subscribers isn't necessarily a big growth opportunity. But I think the opportunity that you know the Comcasts and FiOS and and ATT Universe and other kinds of products see is to build those bundles, right? To to get a higher uh, revenue per user, offer you more and more services that they can um, bundle together and charge you in that way. I mean, let's be honest, the cable companies have the most powerful business opportunity out of anybody because they have your credit card number. They have the right to bill you. You've given them permission to bill you every single month. And you can't really say that about any of these box guys. You can't really say it about Google TV or Boxy or Apple or anything else, right? They have the permission. Apple, of course, has your credit card number with iTunes. Right. Right. But they don't have the permission to bill you every month. They don't have subscription services. So, um, 
you know, but that's obviously the direction that they wanted to go, and they they weren't able to make that happen quite yet. But like I said before, everybody is chasing that because uh, that's a very powerful incentive for for a lot of money, right? Is that you know we want to access consumers who are willing to give us their uh, credit card and give and let us bill them every single month for the uh, services we provide. Well, does that really turn things into potentials for Apple? Should Apple try to work out, or are they trying to work out, what do you think here, some kind of well, subscription service? Is that the magic sure. formula? They get the subscription service. I think service. it is. Sure. I think it is, and, and the rumors have always have swirled for the past couple of years that they've tried to, to work that through, but that they haven't been successful. So, um, again, it's a very complicated business. You know, there's someday someone will figure out how to cut that Gordian knot, right, and and slice that business up. and Or, you know, we'll just see things bubble up from the bottom the way we have to some extent now. But as I said, there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of companies chasing a lot of different business models. So, um you know, that's a, a opportunity that's yet to be played out. And I think the interesting piece for Apple is that, you know, they've got all these big hardware opportunities and certainly around iTunes, you know, but in the long run, you know, this is a, another huge opportunity for Apple that they're currently playing in and they're well positioned in, but, you know, is really just a very small piece of their pie. So as big as they are today, they still have another great big marketplace that they participate in but is so fragmented that they only have a very very small uh revenue base right now is the ultimate apple tv a real tv set i mean even bose now i haven't seen the reviews bose came out with a high-end television set because it's basically emphasizing their audio home audio capabilities so does apple get into that business too oh you know another one another thing that's been rumored for a few years that's, I think, would be a little bit more difficult. The TV uh, makers are finding that, obviously, there's a lot of challenges in getting people to turn over televisions a little faster than they have traditionally and think of televisions more the way they think of things like computers. Televisions tend to be a lot more money. Um, again, therefore, they're kind of a little bit more difficult to get people to buy all the time. It's In the long term, it's probably not the best business for Apple to be in selling televisions. I think anyone who bought a high-definition TV, especially, you know, plasma or LCD, even two, three, four years ago. And I have one, a Panasonic. Early on, we had to replace the power supply. But the panel is rated for, what, 10 years of service? So... It doesn't work that much worse than the current sets. Maybe they have a slightly better picture that maybe I'll see if I look close enough. So I put myself as a typical consumer example here. I have no incentive to buy a new TV set. I will maybe five years from now if I see that the thing is starting to go. I'll say, okay, I'll do it now. But it's not like a personal computer that you buy a new one every two or three years or a mobile phone a year or two and you got to the next version. Well, that's because that's how um, it's been positioned. When you think about it, you're thinking about the picture. Um, one of the reasons at CES we saw a lot of uh, discussion and emphasis on things like smart television is that they want to take the emphasis off just the picture on the television and get people to think of it more and more as a piece of technology and as a service delivery platform. And when you turn it into a service delivery platform, as those new services come out, um, that adds a lot of incentive to get people to buy new uh, pieces of hardware to let them access those kind of services. 
So you're giving them something the current set doesn't have in terms of the ultimate entertainment experience. And that may also argue in favor of possibly Apple considering something like that. Now, let's look further into the options for TV, the ways to sell the TVs, because they are appliances. They're generic products. I don't think one is that much better than the other. Correct me if I'm wrong. But then we have 3D TV. And I think the big issue with 3D TV, not just the costs which are coming down, but those darn glasses. So where are we going there? That's a yes. There was a lot of uh, discussion about um, products that offered you um, uh, less, much less expensive glasses solution. And we certainly saw products that offered no glass solutions, although those in television sizes probably aren't really ready for prime time yet and probably won't be for a few more years, but certainly the TV companies know that and they're working on it. Um, and, you know, we're likely to see the premium for 3D come down this year and we'll see more and more television sold with 3D because the price will come down. More and more televisions will have them. And again, the issue is not selling televisions with 3D, that's inevitably going to happen. The issue is, where does the content come from? How many people are willing to invest in other devices like a 3D Blu-ray player to get 3D movie content or invest in other kinds of services like a 3D sports channel or a 3D movie channel or a 3D you know, nature channel that inevitably the cable companies and uh, uh, content distributors are going to want to charge extra for. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of that in a moment. We want to hear from you, by the way, neighbors. Please write us, news at technightowl.com, news at technightowl.com. We welcome your comments, your suggestions, even your criticisms. News at technightowl.com. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Does malware affect Macs? Well, here's the truth. Malware writers are targeting Macs more and more. And you may be surprised to find out just how much malware there is out there. From Trojan horses to scareware, from macroviruses to spyware, Macs are facing new threats regularly. Find out about what types of malware affect Macs and how to protect yourself. Visit Intego.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-O.com. Intego.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. New year, new way to smoke, and it's Totally Wicked. Introducing Totally Wicked e-liquid electronic cigarettes, the highest quality e-cigarettes in the world. With Totally Wicked e-liquid cigarettes, there's no flame, no secondhand smoke, no carbon monoxide, no tar, no unsightly brown teeth or fingers, and no lingering smell. 
Totally Wicked e-liquid cigarettes have a battery charge that lasts up to eight hours. Plus, with a Totally Wicked tornado model, the average pack-a-day smoker is likely to save over $1,000 a year. The Totally Wicked tornado provides a storm of vapor. See it at totallywicked-eliquid.com. That's totallywicked-eliquid.com. Or call 888-761-9425. Get a 15% discount with promo code GCNLIVE. Go to totallywicked-eliquid.com. Or call 888-761-9425. That's 888-761-9425 or online at totallywicked-eliquid.com. Totally Wicked e-liquid cigarettes, the next generation of alternative smoking. Most of us eat a blend of processed, man-made, and all-natural food. But the food you eat may not provide all the nutrition your body needs. We now know that liquid vitamin supplements are absorbed faster than pills. That's why you need C-Energy. From AffinityCenergy.com, sea vegetation is known to be the richest source of organic minerals, and that's what you'll find in all-natural, great-tasting Sea Energy. Sea Energy contains aloe vera, black cherry, cranberry, and pomegranate juices, plus ginseng, cat's claw, ginger, ginkgo biloba, and over 50 trace minerals needed for healthy metabolism, all from natural organic sea plant sources. Get a 10% discount by using promo code GCN at checkout when you order Sea Energy from AffinityCenergy.com. Call 855-732-3637. That's 855-732-3637. Or go to AffinityCenergy.com today. Is it really possible to get out of debt without payment plans or attorneys? 18 years ago, we developed a program that has made thousands debt-free in just 90 days. It's called Zero Debt in 90 Days, and it works for all credit card debt, medical bills, even collection lawsuits. When I first joined, I was being sued. So I used the program methods, and after filing one piece of paper, the collection lawsuit was dismissed. With Zero Debt in 90 Days, your success is guaranteed in writing. There is no other program of its kind. Don't be alone when creditors gang up on you. Let our team of experts provide the resources to fight back and stop creditors in only 90 days. Guaranteed. Prevent wage garnishments, bank levies, and stop collection calls with our proven program. Call Zero Debt in 90 Days now, 800-477-9256, and ask for free information from an expert. Expert who also completed our program, 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We're back with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. We're talking on the Tech Night Out Live about consumer electronics, how things fare, a little bit of coverage of the CES. Now, we had someone named Stephen Blumenthal of a company called 3D Fusion, which is one of those companies building a product that will eventually be some way or method to offer an affordable TV that doesn't need the glasses but still provides 3D. Have you heard of them? Yeah, I believe I have, yes. There's, there's a lot of uh, companies that are working on that technology for sure because obviously everyone sees um pretty big opportunity there. So this is where 3D has to be. The dreadful glasses don't make it. Now, when they're 100 or $150, we understand that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of these new TV sets are using the standard glasses you get in the movie theater that costs a dollar a piece or something. 
Right. We definitely saw, um, you know, companies like Vizio and I believe LG was also showing some more televisions that um, had a different solution for 3D on them that allowed you to have a lower um, lower quality glasses and um, gave you a pretty good picture. But obviously in those, there's some compromises that you may have to make in terms of um, 2D picture quality or viewing angles. Um, the reason why those the active shutter glasses and the high-end solution showed up first was they gave people the best solution. The best solution isn't always the right solution for everyone, and I think one of the interesting things we'll see in 2011 is how many people want a more cost-effective solution. They don't believe they need the best solution. They just want a solution. It's kind of like, for example, the embracing of MP3 music content. We know from a pure standard, an audiophile standard, you compare the best recording, the best CD quality recording with MP3, there's going to be some loss. Maybe not that audible, but it's a matter of convenience over quality. Absolutely true. It's, you know, one of the things you have to be careful about as a manufacturer and as a brand is that you don't lose sight of that whole price and quality metric. And, you know, we talked about it earlier, I think. You know, what happened in the, with the audio companies was that they lost sight of that and they continued to believe that what consumers really, really wanted was very high quality, very good audio. And what consumers were telling them through their purchases of MP3 players and downloading songs from iTunes and putting them on the c computers was what they really wanted was all their music in one place, an easy way to access it, and an easy way to listen to it. And um, that's why we definitely saw you know, a big shakeout in the audio business in the um, last decade. And, of course, the other thing here over quality, over convenience, Factors. Some of these audio companies got pretty crazy with their pricing. I mean, you could buy a turntable, okay, an old-fashioned turntable to play vinyl records for $20,000. It still sounds like a vinyl recording to me, and I listened under, you know, $20,000 worth of audio equipment. And, yeah, people want good sound, but, you know, that got to be pretty crazy. Well, you know, there's there's... $300,000 cars, too, right? Um, you know, there's always a market for very expensive things. I think that wasn't the real um, real problem for the marketplace, for the audio marketplace. What ended up being the real problem was, uh, again, that they didn't recognize that the mass consumer was moving to look at music a little differently, and they um, were continuing to look at music the way they always had. Now, for basically for... Home theater sound, instead of the major system now, a lot of people buy these compact systems, the sound bar. Put the sound bar right around in front of the TV, below the TV set, and then you put a subwoofer in. And yeah, it's not like having six to one, you know, rear speakers, all the extra stuff, but it sounds pretty decent. Yes, absolutely. And um, again, that's what we've seen is that good enough mentality and you know, like I said, it's something that all the companies need to be careful of, everybody in consumer electronics, because um, there are lots of different ways, especially as content becomes more and more important, that, you know, consumers can make some decisions about how much they're really willing to spend for the right kind of um, 
experience. Uh, you know, and that takes you all the way back to Apple again, because Apple has been able to hold its prices, give people a premium experience, and convince them that, you know, this is the, a fair price for the experience that they're getting. And, you know, while certainly lots of people have, you know, dumbed down certain things, um, you know, they're still uh, buying lots and lots of, you know, iPods because they want the um, integrated experience that Apple gives them. Okay, looking at the iPhone, Apple said they could have sold more, but they couldn't produce enough. They sold over 16 million. And now, of course, they're joining the Verizon wireless system starting in February. Can Apple keep up? Uh, right now, it looks pretty, pretty likely that they can. Um, you know, their business has been very strong. Um, and, you know, as they get into Verizon, that's going to open up a whole bunch of new uh, potential customers who either weren't willing or weren't able to switch over to the AT&T network. And um, it's going to give them a chance, certainly in the short term, to really increase the velocity of sales of the iPhone without even factoring in any people shifting from one carrier to the next. According to Tim Cook at the Apple conference call with the financial analyst, he said that the latest contracts, multi-year contracts with AT&T and Verizon Wireless are non-exclusive. So in theory, Sprint can offer the iPhone, T-Mobile can offer the iPhone, any company willing to sign Apple's contract can offer the iPhone. Do you think it's going to happen soon? Probably not in the U.S. I think right now um, Apple can... Uh, get all its um, ducks in a row through AT&T and Verizon. But now that they're non-exclusive in every single country, and I believe the U.S. was the last one, you know, they can start to pursue a strategy that maybe looks a little bit different uh, around the world. So, you know, in the long term, do they want to be at Sprint and T-Mobile? You know, hard to tell. But I think in the short term, they certainly have enough uh, enough business to propel them by being with AT&T and Verizon. But you've got to bet that the CEOs of Sprint and T-Mobile are on the phone begging. Uh, I'm sure they've talked to them many, many times. You know, but uh, I think that's that's a decision that everybody has to make. And certainly, um, you know, there haven't really been any rumors that um, Apple would make that kind of decision right now. Again, I think, um, you know, at least in the short term, they've got more than enough challenges in terms of getting products both in the both to Verizon in the U.S. and, you know, looking out into other countries where CDMA is still a, a big piece of the pie and, you know, starting to uh, provide some other uh, carriers with the iPhone as well. Do you expect much churn on the part of AT&T customers moving to Verizon? Because obviously, even if there's an early termination fee, you can take your iPhone, sell it on eBay and get it all back. So there is an incentive there that if you only have costs as a consideration, you can overcome that with a little bit of extra energy. So do you see some kind of erosion and moving to Verizon Wireless because of perceived problems with AT&T? Uh, there will be some erosion. I think um, the numbers have been all over the board in terms of how much erosion that will end up being. Um, you know, my personal opinion is the scenario you outlined is an awful lot of work, and most people aren't going to want to go to that level sure. of work, especially since a huge percentage of the iPhone users on AT&T now, you know, took took advantage of the upgrade offers that AT&T offered last summer when the iPhone 4 came up and 
a lot of them are locked in for the next couple of years. Um, you know, I also think a lot of the, you know, issues with AT&T tend to revolve around uh, the tech press and uh, people in some specific areas of the country. You know, there's lots of places where consumers don't have those kind of issues. And I think uh, typically that kind of stuff um, with uh, bloggers and tech press gets way overblown and reality isn't quite the same as the actual activity on the ground. Now, I live in the Phoenix area. According to Consumer Reports, I should be getting subpar service, and I'm not. AT&T has added new towers here. They sent me the text messages to affirm that. I see better service. So for one here, you know, if you're getting decent service from your carrier and you have your iPhone and you know that there'll be a new iPhone, you can update to that. There's not that incentive. The incentive is people who are getting the bad service to go to Verizon Wireless or just people who have the money and want to play around. Uh, I think that's that's correct. I would agree with you. See, look, you see, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to stay with me for another segment or two if you have the time because we're just kind of exploring the surface here. And as our listeners know, Verizon Wireless gets the iPhone as of February 10th. Verizon customers will get the opportunity to upgrade perhaps a week or so earlier. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I want to ask you one quick question. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Now, obviously, there'll be an iPhone 5. I think most people expect it'll come out June or July. That's Apple's thing, you know, that Apple, in order to keep production costs down overall, although it might cost more per unit, will make one world phone with a CDMA and GSM chip in it. Does that make sense? You know, I haven't heard where they would be going with that. I think um, Qualcomm you know, given, has the chips. I know that. Right. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's probably likely. But, you know, I think one of the things they obviously have to look at is battery life. And, you know, that's always been one of the big challenges in you know, a product that does and attempts to do as much as um, Apple's iPhone does. So um, I think they'll do what's best for the consumer, you know, if they think and what's best for them. And if they think that they're better off having um, one CDMA phone and one uh, phone for AT&T and GSM, then I think they'll do that. Uh, 
But, you know, that, I think that remains to be seen right now. What about the iPad? Wouldn't it be more confusing because the iPad doesn't come with a cell phone contract, although I guess some providers are starting to do that in other countries, if you're buying an iPad? And right now the way it works is, of course, it has 3G support with AT&T's network. You want Verizon, they sell you this separate module for the Wi-Fi access to their 3G network. So wouldn't it make sense for Apple for the iPad to provide this world capability because it becomes less confusing? You're not buying something from the cell phone store. That's probably, I think, more likely to happen in the shorter term with the iPad, um, You know, especially because uh, Apple sells a lot more iPads with Wi-Fi only than they do with cellular connections anyways. So, um, you know, adding a lot of other costs by having separate um, products, separate separate items for, for GSME and CDMA would probably be more complicated and would uh, cut up the volume in a um, product segment that's already um, not the majority of what they sell. Also, it caused confusion, I think. You know, when you go to a cell phone company or you go to an independent retailer, and you buy a mobile phone, it's with a carrier contract. So you know you're buying the AT&T phone with an AT&T contract. You know you're buying the Verizon wireless phone with a Verizon wireless contract. I think that's something that is fairly normal and people are accustomed to that. But when you can buy the iPad anywhere, a Target, anywhere, and you don't have to suddenly sign up with a contract, you're apt to be placed in a confusing situation where, oh, gee, I want to get a 3G service now. I bought the 3G version, but I got the wrong one. Well, I guess what I would tell you is that it, uh, my, my um, estimation is then it doesn't really matter. Um, I think for the most part, uh, what you would see, what would be nice to see is competition in there, right? So if you did have one SKU, one product that had both chips in it, um, Right now, none of the iPads, the iPad doesn't require you to have a contract, but it's a monthly, month-to-month um, fee. You know, maybe what you do is you're able to choose which one you want every month. Maybe I want AT&T, or maybe I want Verizon, and that might be a way to spur some competition between the two of them. Oh, there's going to be plenty anyway as they push to sell these products. We can see that. Okay, looking at the iPad 2, you hear much about what it's going to be? You know, I think the rumors seem to make a lot of sense that they will look to add, um, you know, we've talked about uh, looking to add an SD slot to make it a little easier for people to get pictures and movies and uh, music onto the iPad. Um, certainly, it does seem like a camera, both a front and a rear camera, I'm a little less um understanding of the value proposition of a rear camera on such a big product, but certainly a front camera for video conferencing um, makes a huge amount of sense and, you know, that gives them an awful lot of leverage with their FaceTime um, technology. And, um, you know, an upgrade on the processor seems to be a foregone conclusion as well, you know, as Apple ramps up its... um, capabilities as being a uh, processor designer. Um, I expect you'll see, you know, continued work there to improve and focus the processor on the tasks that Apple wants it to do. And because they can design those products to um, that just have to fit in a very few products, 
um, you know, I think they can do a lot of tweaking that someone like an Intel or AMD or even Qualcomm or NVIDIA can't do in products that need to be a little bit more um, generic and go into an awful lot more products with different uh, use cases. Now, some are suggesting also there'll be a shorter screen bezel and there'll be other things done to reduce the weight of the iPad at one and a half pounds and 1.6 pounds for the 3G version. It's kind of heavy for reading, so some suggest Apple could make it thinner, lighter. What about carbon fiber? Is that too expensive to put on a consumer product right now? I think that that has been the case up to this point, but, you know, Apple always has something up its sleeve. That's usually the exciting part, right, is to to see what kind of um, interesting look and feel they can do and how um, they can think out of the box in terms of materials and size and um, features and design. And, you know, that's obviously one of the things that sets them apart from the rest of the world. Okay, now, in his comments during Apple's quarterly conference call, Tim Cook refers to, and he, he's pretty good at the language now. He's kind of drier than Steve Jobs, but he knows his rap and he has it down pat. He's really good at that rap. And he talks about the so-called iPad killers and some of their configurations as bizarre. Is he talking about the fact that they are largely 7-inch rather than 9 or 10 inches? Uh, I think it's both that and the fact that right now there is not yet any products out there with an um, optimized operating system for a, a panel of that size, seven to nine inches, uh, for a touchscreen. So um, I think you add all those things up, and I think they believe that, you know, they have that first mover advantage, and, you know, like almost every, like every other product they make, and I, I would hope, like every company, they believe they have the best products, and they believe they've designed them to the extent that they're going to give people the best experience that they can within the parameters that they've um, set. And, you know, I think when they look at all these other tablets, they see the flaws and they see the things that they don't think make a lot of sense. You know, I think what's great about the marketplace is the marketplace will decide. And, you know, as those products get out into the market and have better, more optimized operating systems and faster processors, you know, we'll let consumer decide whether they like seven or nine inches and whether they want, you know, Hummingbird or Windows 7 or iOS or Palm WebOS or QNX from from BlackBerry, which one of those operating systems gives them the best experience. I wonder, of course, about the Samsung Galaxy Tab, which I guess is the best selling of the competition. Am I correct? Um, I guess I would say it's pretty much the only product that's <laughs> out there. So, yeah, that would have to be the best selling one. Okay, so it's using an operating system that's not optimized for the larger screen. But Samsung didn't care. Samsung's a pretty good company. Is this desperation to bring this to market? Would they have been better off waiting? Because, you know, if a person buys a product and it's not satisfactory, will they give Samsung another chance? Well, you know, Samsung's a global brand, and I don't think anybody um, uh, would never buy another Samsung pro product because they weren't happy with that. And I think um, the other part of that is for most consumers, they don't know uh, certainly at this point, they don't know what a uh, different operating system could offer them. 
So, you know, Apple can say that this is not the right product, and we can all in the tech world say that. But for most consumers, they don't have the ability to do side-by-side comparisons between uh, an Android Hummingbird and an Android Froyo-based um, uh, tablet. So, you know, I think some of those some of those comparisons are a little specious, and I think you know, I think Samsung did the right thing. Looking back on it, you know, they have the assets to be able to get products to market pretty quickly in that segment. They own and create their own processors. They own the glass. They have a lot of skills because obviously they're, uh, you know, an enormous uh, phone company. They're, uh, you know, a big television company. I want to ask you more about Samsung in a moment for this final segment. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Who is Sam Andy? Sam Andy Foods is life insurance in a can. Life insurance you can eat. Sam Andy Foods has been serving loyal customers worldwide for over 50 years. Why so long? Simple. Sam Andy Foods have perfected the taste and quality of low moisture foods. Foods that last 15 to 25 years. And that's made us an industry leader among families, sportsmen, outdoorsmen, churches, schools, people living in remote areas, U.S. troops in wartime, and many others. Sam Andy is America's leading supplier of over 100 
featured high-quality, low-moisture products and everything you need to survive in any emergency. Visit SamAndy.com today for your free full-color catalog and free trial subscription to the Survival Times newsletter. That's SamAndy.com. Just like it sounds, SamAndy.com. Or call toll-free 1-888-331-0358. Your one-stop shop for everything your family needs to prepare for any emergency. Sam Andy Foods. Life insurance in a can. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio that's technightall.com slash radio or check us out at iTunes we have Stephen Baker of the NPD group joining us for an extended session this week on the Tech Night Owl Live I'm Gene Steinberg we were talking about Samsung isn't it interesting how on the one hand Samsung builds competing products against Apple's products on the other hand Apple goes to Samsung for chips and for LCD displays that's the way the tech business works. You know, Samsung makes components and they make um, end products. And I think, you know, when you look out for most companies and most um, components, the cost of building a fab or building a glass factory is prohibitively expensive if all that production can only go to your company, that you need to have as big a market as possible to sell all those in to be able to recover your cost of capital. And I think it's as simple as that. Now, Apple, of course, has the money to buy some pretty large facilities, but they still outsource their manufacturing. You know, one of the reasons they're successful is they know how to manage their costs. And, you know, they've been obviously have a great relationship with Foxconn and with all the other suppliers. And uh, again, you know, even for Apple, uh, it's much more cost effective for them to source those products through multiple places and take advantage of the economies of scale that they would never be able to uh, build on their own. And it's easy for them to throw a few billion dollars the way of different companies to say, okay, give us a five-year supply guaranteed of chips. Give us a five-year supply of flash memory. Give us five years of LCD panels. And those are doing that is much cheaper than building a, a fab in a category where in an area where they don't really have a lot of expertise. Even the fact that they're their own chip designer now, they don't own 
you know, a semiconductor fab, they contract those out to other people. to Like Samsung. <laughs> like Samsung. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how that works in the tech world, how a company like Samsung well, could at one turn compete with Apple and then, of course, be receiving billions of dollars of business from Apple. But look, if a company says, here's $3 billion, give me a commitment of chips or parts for the next three to five years, you know, they'll say, hey, sure, go ahead, go ahead. Let's look at Microsoft briefly before we let you go. Okay. Now, Windows Phone 7, does anyone care with the big fight between Apple and Google? Do we care about Windows Phone 7 anymore? Oh, I, Anything think we, Microsoft I think we does? will care a lot about Windows Phone 7 because as we're starting to see in the phone business, you know, it's kind of morphing not just into a, it's not just Apple versus Google. I really think what you're seeing is single sourced operating system companies who create both the operating system and the phone against the companies that don't do an operating system, but are great hardware designers. You know, um, Samsung, LG, they want HTC, they want multiple operating systems to be able to choose from. Uh, otherwise, you end up back in the old, um, you know, in the Windows days, right, where you could get any flavor of Windows you wanted if you were a PC company, as long as it was the flavor that Microsoft wanted to sell you. And I think everyone has learned from that. And the, the lesson is you either do what HP did and you buy an operating system, a great operating system to let it power your phones and tablets, or you work relentlessly to make sure you have multiple sources. And for that reason, I think, you know, Windows Phone 7 is going to be a important piece of all those companies' uh, product lines because they don't want to depend on Google for all their uh, operating systems. And the other thing is interesting about this is, as you say, smartphones will have multiple operating systems from multiple vendors. There won't be one company so dominant is Microsoft, therefore it can't be a replay of the Mac versus PC wars. No, it probably it certainly won't. On the other hand, you know, you're gonna have different pieces of that, right? You may have again, um, you know, single source OSs versus, you know, multiple company OSs. You may have the multiple company OS fighting against each other. Longer term, you know, the, the competition may be more Microsoft versus Google than it would be Google versus Apple. You know, we'll see what happens. I think the best part, at least certainly in the phone business, is that um, nothing is forever. You know, your contract is up in two years, and, you know, that gives everybody a lot of opportunity to return to the marketplace pretty quickly um, and access whatever the latest and greatest product is and whatever the latest and greatest systems are. And in that respect, I think you're always, because of that, you're going to see, always see a lot of competition in the marketplace. Can we see that also in tablets? Uh, tablets are moving down the same same road, for sure. Okay, so even though Apple is dominant now, and they might be dominant for a long time, there will always be healthy players with other alternatives. Uh, you know, I, I certainly believe that. I think the evidence definitely makes all of us believe that you know, Apple won't be the only company creating tablets next year or the year after that. We'll have to see, of course, whether Apple's approach is the one that pays off, whether the iPad can keep leapfrogging, because that's part of it, too. If you have competition, you don't become complacent. I think, for example, Microsoft became complacent for so long with the browser wars. You know, they won the browser wars. We beat Netscape, and suddenly there's Firefox. 
again, you know, the, one of the reasons we all work in the tech business is it's exciting, it's competitive, and it constantly reinvents itself. And, you know, I think we've just cited a few examples where you can't rest on your laurels. You have to pay attention all the time to what's coming next. This is maybe a left field question, but certainly relevant. Do you think that Steve Jobs, knowing he's been ill for several years, has really put in place the kind of management team that could pretty well take over for the rest of time if he decides never to come back? You know, a lot of companies, tech companies have gotten very big on the backs of, uh, you know, a single charismatic leader. You know, I think one of the struggles Microsoft has had is, you know, with Bill Gates not there all the time, they don't have that, you know, single focus point. So I think in the long run, as companies mature, what you tend to see is those single charismatic leaders start to retire or fade away or, or, or leave the company. And at some point, you know, if they're a good leader, they've built an organization that can continue on with that legacy that they've they've created a uh, business that can endure. And I can only tell you from my own personal experience, having been at one of the most successful startups in the history of the U.S. Staples, that we had a charismatic leader who left many years ago and the company has continued to go on and, um, you know, delivered on the vision that we all had when we opened the first office superstore on May 1st, 1986. Okay, so you were able to survive. So Steve Jobs, one hopes he's on the same thing. He has the Stepford executives that have his DNA and can follow through on his wishes and dreams. Uh, I think Stepford is a um, pejorative term that I would not use. Uh, I think they're all smart people on their own. And, you know, in the long term, Right. Everybody, everything changes and companies change. And uh, but if you've put a stamp in there, then hopefully that um, people will continue to go to market in the ways that have been successful and that DNA will remain in the company long after the founders are gone. Follow the dream. Let's follow the dream with Stephen Baker. Where do we find more of the stuff that you do? Uh, you can check out our website at npd.com or our blog at npdgroupblog.com. Stephen Baker, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Always fun to talk to you. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can download a version that is mostly full-featured. Try it out, and if you like it, it's just $34.95 for Graphic Converter from LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-S-O-F-T.com. LemkeSoft.com for my favorite Graphic Converter.
Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power, but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a silver dollar in a book explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. You really can lose weight while you're sleeping. Guaranteed. AffinityDiet.com introduces Lose and Snooze and the One Day Diet. Great tasting Lose and Snooze from AffinityDiet.com is the first step in our guaranteed weight loss system. Lose and Snooze will help your body get a deep restorative sleep without the harmful side effects of pharmaceutical drugs. And during deep natural sleep, your body starts to shed unwanted pounds, build lean muscle, and lose inches. Add AffinityDiet.com's One Day Diet waivers and your metabolism keeps going with all the vitamins and minerals you need with no rebound effect. But don't worry, you're never more than 24 hours from your favorite foods. Learn more about Lose and Snooze and the One Day Diet at AffinityDiet.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y diet.com, or call toll-free 855-663-3438. That's 855-663-3438. Finally, a diet that succeeds where others have failed from AffinityDiet.com. New Year, new way to smoke, and it's totally wicked. Introducing Totally Wicked E-Liquid Electronic Cigarettes, the highest quality e-cigarettes in the world. With Totally Wicked E-Liquid Cigarettes, there's no flame, no secondhand smoke, no carbon monoxide, no tar, no unsightly brown teeth or fingers, and no lingering smell. Totally Wicked E-Liquid Cigarettes have a battery charge that lasts up to eight hours. Plus, with a Totally Wicked Tornado model, the average pack-a-day smoker is likely to save over $1,000 a year. The Totally Wicked Tornado provides a storm of vapor. See it at totallywicked-eliquid.com. That's totallywicked-eliquid.com or call 888-761-9425. Get a 15% discount with promo code GCNLive. Go to totallywicked-eliquid.com or call 888-761-9425. That's 888-761-9425 or online at totallywicked-eliquid.com. Totally Wicked E-Liquid Cigarettes, the next generation of alternative smoking. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I see loads of articles now on Apple Insider, Daniel. Does this mean that you're going to be phasing out more of your work from your own site and moving it to theirs? Well, I do my own kind of subjects of whatever I'm writing about on Roughly Drafted. So it kind of comes and goes. <laughs> Depends on how much time, how much free time I have. Okay, so the other one is to get a paycheck. This is the one to be your personal time. Also, yes. <laughs> I guess you might be a little bit you know, more hard-nosed or cutting-edge or 
personalized in your own blog. All right, let's look at the big stories of this week. And the biggest story, of course, was Monday. Steve Jobs takes another leave of absence. But the impact of the stock market has not been great. And after Apple reported its quarterly sales, it recovered for the most part. So do you think people have grown to accept that maybe Steve Jobs is going to be on his way out ultimately? Well, no. I think one of the comments, actually, when you were saying the biggest news of the week, I thought you were going to say their earnings reports. (laughs) Well, you know what? (laughs) Steve Jobs, I think, consumes so much of the headlines that maybe it didn't matter. Well, that's true. I mean, we certainly are, are... very concerned about Steve Jobs and his health, and it would be awful to see him uh, in a reduced role where he isn't able to contribute as much as he has in the past. At the same time, the reason why Apple's posting such dramatic figures on Tuesday is because of the the organization that that Jobs built, and it's really his legacy. And if you look at previous times in Apple's history when the company wasn't doing well, it, it like when Jobs left, when Jobs came back and it was kind of struggling, it was hit by economic hard times in the early part of the, the decade, things like that. There was also there was always kind of a a doubt that Apple could pull itself off. It was the smallest player in the industry, it seemed like, and it it just seemed like it was always the underdog, completely against the odds. That is not the case anymore. Apple is the leading consumer of RAM, for example, on, the, on a global scale. They can come out with products that other companies could develop and just not get out there. For example, you know, Palm's um, WebOS phone. It wasn't like a terrible product, but it just couldn't get it out there fast enough as a company like Apple could. I mean, Apple has the resources to do things that other companies can't or don't want to do. That's what makes Apple interesting. And a lot of that is because of Jobs. Jobs put together the, the kind of people that have the desire to build great products, not just ship something because they need to fill a space. And you see Jobs' company doing a lot of interesting, innovative things, taking jumps that other companies don't see the need to do. And that's the kind of thing that draws people to Apple, makes Apple an interesting company to watch. So Apple and Jobs are very intermixed. And even if Jobs goes on an indefinite leave for a couple of years, that, that DNA is not going to change. It would take um, it would take some period of time for Apple to go downhill, even if you know if, if nobody stepped forward to kind of continue that same sort of thing. Now, so if you listen to what, else. of course, Tim Cook says, you know he's got the wrap down pat. He doesn't have the charisma of Steve Jobs, but he gets his point across pretty straight. So it sounds to me that you know whatever DNA Steve Jobs has instilled in his employees. Certainly, Tim Cook got the message. Well, yeah, Tim Cook is on message. He doesn't. He doesn't say the kind of original, interesting things that Jobs does. I don't I, know. I, Calling I the iPad killers bizarre is a pretty interesting thing. Well, no, I mean anybody can say that. I mean everybody in the industry, you know, can talk smack about other people's products. The the thing is, he doesn't point out things that we don't know, and. You know, the comments that Cook made, for example, about Android tablets were kind of the same thing that Jobs said in the last one, talking about the size being too small to be usable, talking about um, the other comment he made about, oh, I can't even think what it is right hand, but it was it was kind of like repeating everything that Jobs had said earlier. It's about the operating system not being optimized for that kind of exactly, product. Exactly. 
So in, in a lot of ways, Cook is kind of repeating things that Jobs already said. Now, Cook probably didn't have a lot of new things to say, and there wasn't a need to say a lot of things because this was an earnings call aimed at investors, at analysts, trying to understand where the company's going. In previous keynotes where Jobs hasn't been there, or has had a much reduced role, there isn't anyone in the company that seems to have the same kind of charismatic vision leadership. And kind of a similar thing happened at Microsoft with, it was kind of, Bill Gates was the vision guy. And even if his vision wasn't really very accurate, he was the one presenting kind of what, where Microsoft was going. And Ballmer doesn't really have that. And I haven't seen anyone else at Microsoft present that kind of thing and there's a lot of other companies that are like that too. Remember Palm? It was I think it's Jeff Hawkins who kind of came up with a Palm originally, the original Palm Pilot. He you know, he left the company to form Handspring, was folded back in, and kind of came out with the Trio. He was kind of associated with this in, inventive kind of spirit. So that is something that is connected to a person, or can be connected to a person. And you have that in other industries too. You know Disney. You know he was kind of associated with delivering the special kind of experience and after he died there was like a period of time where disney was clearly not doing anything well and they've kind of pulled it back together and it's kind of a different way of of doing it but it is it's still something that holds people's interest but isn't it also one of the key jobs of the ceo is to make sure there is a successor that he's not forever of course i mean that's something that has to be planned for, and it also is is something that Jobs is doing simply by setting things up in a very um, easy-to-communicate way. The, re- the way that you end up with a cult- corporate culture is to kind of express it in a way that people grasp it so that other people can, can pick it up and carry it. So if you look at things like HP, Hewlett & Packard created this culture that survived for a long time. You know, until Carla Fiorina came in and destroyed it. <laughs> well, at least but, she wasn't elected U.S. senator. We <laughs> wonder what she would have done there. And yeah. it's funny, too, to watch her on TV and she's being interviewed and no one says, hey, you screwed up HP. How should we trust you not to screw up the U.S. Senate? Yeah, some people might not realize that she did. But anyways, I, I, in, in kind of general terms, I mean, Jobs has built something that's really um, that's that's clear enough how it works that other people can push it ahead, even if they don't have the ex- the exact same type of way of looking at things. Jobs has this very keen insight into looking at things and immediately kind of grasping the value. Not always. I mean, his own example. You know, when he talked about going to Xerox Park in the early in the late seventies, early eighties, when he was looking at this technology that nobody else knew what to do with. I mean, Xerox didn't know what to do with it. And he went in and he said, I saw this and this and this. And I think it was networking and um, it may have been networking, PostScript, and uh, Smalltalk, I think, development language. And what jumped out at him was, first of all, this graphical user, inter- user interface that made it into the Mac. And then later he said there were some other technologies that we didn't put in the Mac or we didn't get in, into the Macintosh originally that he saw there that those were the kind of things that went into Next. So next was like the second invention of Apple. Maybe if Steve Jobs had stayed with Apple another few years, we'd see some of that on the Mac side first. 
Well, yeah, that's what Jobs was trying to do within Apple. And Apple's con- kind of conservative leadership at the time was looking at this and saying, hey, we've already spent an awful lot of money developing the Mac and it isn't immediately selling. So maybe we should, you know, focus on Apple IIs and, you know, selling the old, you know, the original Mac that we have. And that's kind of what they did. And that's, you know, the, the reason why Next is named Next is because it was what the Mac should, should have been in its next version or, you know, next major thing. So that's something so that basically it took too. another, what, 12 years before part two of the Apple came to be when Steve Jobs returned to the company. Returning with us for his first appearance for this year, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockers. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. Are you or someone you know suffering from high blood pressure, cholesterol, or chest pains? Are you looking for a more natural way to overcome these health challenges? ExtendoVite is made from herbs known to help with these symptoms. Made from garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, and four other herbs. Extendivite goes to work detoxifying heavy metals and killing fungus and virus to enhance your overall health. For only $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid, you too can begin on your path to better health. For more information, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey Sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new Cyclass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated, and at less than two cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. 
Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call today 1-877-99-BERKEY. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And so we're looking now at the decision from Steve Jobs on the eve of Apple's stellar earnings reports to take another vacation. Now, you talk to a lot of people. Does it look like Jobs is now down for the count or what? No. I mean, if Jobs was wanting to leave the company, he could have announced uh, putting somebody else in charge. Or stepping down as CEO, or, or or even bringing on somebody as a co-CEO. I mean, Rim has two CEOs. But doesn't it look better from a politically correct standpoint to say, I'm just taking a leave of absence? So everyone gets accustomed to Tim Cook, for example, as acting CEO, and therefore, you know, in a few months it doesn't matter as much. Well, I mean, that could be the case. Apple's making a lot of comments um, in the earnings call and in, just in general along the lines of Steve is still going to be involved in making major decisions. It isn't he's going to take time off with his family, which is the usual euphemism when someone's leaving. And he certainly can use that as an excuse because he does have a family, and, and clearly he's very busy at Apple. Being involved in as many projects as he is, it would be completely understandable for him to retire. And he has a very functional team. But that's not what he said he's wanting to do and that's not being signaled by any intention so I, I don't see any reason to speculate that so basically if his health holds out he plans to stay with apple even if only on a part-time basis well i mean remember that Joms has been through cancer and he's had his liver replaced and reports say that his health goes up and down i mean all of our health you know all of us experience that where we have good days and bad days um I would imagine it would be tremendously more so if you had one of your major organs replaced. 
Jobs appears to be the kind of person who is so pulled into his work that it'll be difficult to really focus on getting yourself back to health. And I've been in, you know, I've been in motorcycle accidents and bike accidents where I have kind of put that off on the side and just struggled through work because I found work interesting and I found work necessary to, to maintain my current standard of living. Um, but because of that, my health suffered. So I got to a point where I was pretty crippled up from all these accidents that I've been in. Um, and it really took kind of holding back on, on your work stuff and focusing on your health and getting back in, into where you're supposed to be before you can really focus on your work again. So based on the comments that Apple has made and kind of just in general of, of Steve's personality, I would think that if he really wanted to say, this is, this is my retirement from Apple, that could be arranged. It's been arranged for a lot of other people. I mean, look at Bill Gates. I mean, he kind of arranged this thing where he said he's stepping down. He kind of has this kind of chairmanship role at Microsoft, but he doesn't really have much involvement. It doesn't seem as much anymore. So Jobs could do something like that. But I think Jobs is having a great time right now. I mean, look at the products they're coming out with. I mean, he loves this stuff. He loves taking technology and making it available to people. And that, that's expressed in everything he does. And these little email comments that he's supposedly making to people kind of reflect that desire. Like, like here I found technology that is going to be useful to other people. And I'm going to make it into a product that is broadly beneficial and affordable. When what you say there kind of raises the possibility that his doctor said to him, look, you're losing weight. You're a workaholic. Do you want to get better or do you want to get sicker? And you're still have your various problems. It's obviously taking anti-rejection medicine because of his transplanted liver. So they may have said, look, for the sake of yourself and your family, you got to cut down. The only way you cut down is take a leave of absence. Oh, possibly. But I mean, we don't really know what the situation is. We don't know how much of it is a health problem, how much of it is, you know, he's just trying to feel better about his life work balance. I mean, it's an, it's not really clear and I don't know I don't know that it's that necessary because what we're seeing I mean we can speculate about what is actually happening but from the information that we have it appears pretty clear that um, Jobs is not completely you know he's not like in another country going through some intensive therapy where he can't be involved in anything anymore it says that he's involved in major decisions and knowing what's going on and Jobs is also known to be um, very much involved in everything. That was one of the things that was talked about. Remember when, when uh, Mark Papermaster came from IBM to lead um, iPhones and iPod division, and he left within a few months. And that appeared to be because he didn't really fit into the the role in Apple of which involved having Jobs kind of involved in everything. So basically, so he couldn't play second fiddle. Well, I don't know if that's the case. It's not a matter of where you're at because, I mean, obviously every, every division manager is going to be reporting to the CEO. But probably being in a relationship where um, you have a CEO that's involved in a lot of decisions and having less autonomy. So, I mean, if that's playing second fiddle, I guess, I guess that's – a way of looking at it. Okay, yeah, I mean, everything first, you do is being second guessed. 
Right. And the other thing that they've talked about is, is not just that Jobs is involved in everything, but that Jobs has this kind of small executive team where everybody knows what everybody else is doing instead of having like little fiefdoms. Like Microsoft is more of a situation where you have all these little fiefdoms. You have the office people, you have the Windows people, and then you have situations where, for example, the Mac software was being written by one group, and then the Exchange thing for Mac was written by the server group, and so they never really got together. Or you have the, the tablet Windows people who are trying to get Office to write a tablet version of Office, and the Office people are like, no, we're not going to do that. So, I mean, you just have this stuff that doesn't work. Whereas with Apple, I mean, everybody knows. I mean, you have the hardware people that are working on the iPod that were tapped to help make the iPhone and the iPad and are now being, they're working really closely with the Mac people who are making the MacBook Air. And you see there's a lot of products that could be competing with each other are instead working together. That's very much mirrors what Tim Cook said during the conference call with financial analysts. That, you know, they all talk to each other. It's not separate companies, that they could have all these separate companies. But yeah. the fact that they talk to each other, they influence each other, they get ideas from each other. Yeah, and if you look at what Apple's doing, I mean, they just keep jumping into a, a new market. I mean, Apple's never sold cell phones before. And that's a really difficult market to break into. And they just suddenly step into the market and dramatically gain huge market share, and everybody starts copying what they're doing. That's pretty unprecedented to do the same thing with tablets and then constantly just kind of working into other other things that Apple has no experience in, including retail. It's a matter of not just bluffing your way in, but I mean, a matter of kind of doing the research to find out what's needed to, to enter this market and then successfully doing it. And there hasn't been a lot of companies that have been able to transition into wildly new categories like that. It's also knowing to hire the right executives to keep the team in place. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really difficult to do. I mean, you, you see a lot of these companies that are just acquiring things, and Microsoft always just acquired company after company after company, and a lot of the products they brought in were these kind of inventive, interesting stuff that they decided, they kind of just decreed that everything was going to be turned into a Windows strategy and destroyed the product. You will be assimilated. Yeah, I mean, so example, for example, Web TV. And Hotmail was sort of an example of the same thing. I mean, there's so many different companies that Microsoft bought and just kind of forced into the Windows mold, and the product went away. And now Google's doing the same thing. They buy, I think they have a goal of buying a major company every month. I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to sustain. Why do you do it? Well, I think, so Google has a huge ad presence. I mean, they, they own advertising and um paid search on the web, paid search placement. It has, they're bringing in fantastical amounts of money that's almost hard to comprehend. And when you have that much money, you have to do something with it. So people talk about Apple having this cash reserve. Well, Google just has tons of money in the same sort of way that Microsoft had just crazy revenues from software. I mean, they're basically printing money. And because of that, because they're not, like Apple makes a lot of money, but they're selling a lot of products. So there's some tangible thing behind it where Google is selling ads and Microsoft is selling software almost exclusively. And when you just bring in huge amounts of money from an idea, you have to hurry up and come up with new ideas. 
and it's hard to just think of new ideas. So you have to go around and find people that have already kind of developed an idea. And then you hope and, to bring it into house. We have Daniel yeah. Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine, and he also writes for Apple Insider at AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine and, of course, Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, and we're talking about Steve Jobs, the corporate structure of Apple, how they manage to do things. So we look at the conference call, and it's another record-breaking quarter And the question I asked earlier, and maybe you can give me your slant of it here, how come the financial industry always underestimates what Apple's going to do? Well, they don't underestimate. I mean, you can say they underestimate what Apple does. But so Apple releases guidance, and that guidance is considered to be conservative because Apple usually says what it is very confident they can do, and it turns out that it can actually do better than that. Because Apple is really executing, you know, this 110%, or in some cases, 120 or more percent. So Apple gives his guidance at a certain level. And frequently, if you look at analysts, they'll come in over guidance and say, okay, Apple's confident of this. We're actually confident they're going to beat this. And this time, Apple brought in um, a response that was $2 billion above what everybody else was saying, you know, some kind of 10% above uh, what people were thinking. So... Why does Apple beat? Well, there's a couple reasons kind of cyclically why um, Apple performed really well this quarter. They have good products in the pipeline. You look at everybody else, everyone else's tablet is not really sellable yet. Um, It's bizarre. Yeah. (laughs) And everything else is vapor. But... uh, I mean, it's just like a combination of factors. But Apple also pointed out kind of favorable commodity pricing. And Apple can kind of drive favorable commodity pricing because they have so much cash that they could prepay for things. So, like, they just announced this $3.9 billion prepayment plan for components that they didn't say exactly what the components were. But it it described it as similar to the, you know, the billion-dollar prepayment for RAM that that Apple announced earlier. So you think even though Samsung competes with Apple in terms of smartphones and stuff, 
Samsung probably got a piece of that pie because they supply so much parts to Apple. I think Apple is it's in the top five suppliers of Samsung. I mean, Samsung is a huge company. I mean, Samsung Electronics is a, a huge company. Um, and it's just part of this huge conglomeration of other things that are also Samsung. But Samsung Electronics, I mean, they like make most of the world's TVs and flat panel displays. I mean, it's just a huge, huge company. And I think 2% or, or some, I, I was reading about, I, I can't think of the numbers, but some huge percent of their uh, money comes from Apple because Samsung produces a lot of RAM and they produce a lot of displays and a lot of other parts. Um, so a lot of component companies like that are also trying to get into, they're trying to be Apple. They want to make finished products. And so they compete in a sense with Apple. So the, I mean, if you look at Samsung's lineup, it's very similar to Apple's. They they have the the phones that are like the iPhone. They have the Galaxy Tab thing. That's the closest thing to the iPad right now. And they have, and they just announced an iPod Touch that they're coming out with. This Galaxy Player. And the problem is, I mean, they're all based on Android. So Samsung doesn't have its own software platform and development platform. They're relying on Google. And they also don't have an integrated product that they're coming to carriers with to say, here's how this works. Do you want to carry it? Samsung is working with the carriers like it always has and saying, here's a phone and we'll send Android updates over the wire with you and and that creates all these other problems there's this, this kind of a scandal going on right now with why aren't android phones being updated particularly samsung's and there's a couple reasons for that i mean there was this, there was talk that samsung was holding out on the carriers because they weren't paying it for to deliver these updates but the fact is that samsung has a lot of different phones on a lot of different carriers so it's a lot more complicated than in, than for apple to roll out an update for ios and they also have kind of their own layers of bundled wear, and they also deal with all these different carriers that they all put their own bundled wear on. So they have to come up with all these different things to support all these different layers of integration. Apple does that all itself. There's only one iPhone. There's only one current iPhone model. And the way they sell it on every carrier is the same. They don't work with the bundled junkware of each carrier. They don't have the carrier distribute it for them, the OS updates. And so... You know, you have these these component makers that are trying to compete with Apple, but they're not trying to be like Apple, or they can't be like Apple. Most companies can't go to the carrier and say, hey, we have a product that everyone's just going to buy, so you need to sell it this way. Apple can do that, and other companies can't. Obviously, this makes it more complicated for the competition. Let's look at other aspects of the earnings call, obviously, Steve Jobs wasn't really a big factor of discussion. You didn't have the analyst saying, hey, can you tell us more? They accepted it almost in stride because it didn't have that major impact to the stock price. Well, I, yeah, I think also there was kind of a um, an effort to keep the call on on message about Apple. And... Obviously, Steve Jobs' health has, a, has placed an impact on Apple itself. But the, there was a lot of strategy involved in releasing that information on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the day before earnings, which is not a typical day for earnings, um, is to kind of get it out at a time when you know people could kind of talk about it for a while 
and kind of get past the the knee jerk response of oh man this is going to be awful. Also, because they means. knew they would have stellar earnings to report, they could basically diffuse the issue very quickly. Yeah, so the issue got a little bit of airplay, and then immediately afterward, um, there, they, there was this anticipation of earnings releases that everyone knew was going to be good, and it, it was better than people expected. Okay, so let's take a look at some more of the stuff that happened here. 160 million iOS devices... Now, for 2011, if you factor any estimate that's out there, Apple could probably sell another $100 million or so, right? Yeah, there's reports that Apple is likely to sell $100 million iPhones and however many. <laughs> it's kind of, the number's kind of going together in my head, but um, yeah, I mean, Apple's going to sell a whole lot of stuff. One, one analyst said $100 million iPhones and $40 million iPads this okay. year. So, so, so basically, they could double their iOS share in one year. Well, the whole industry is growing. I mean, part one of the comments that, that I think it was Cook made was that Apple Apple has a good position, you know, clearly in a lot of ways. But, for example, among computers, Apple has tremendous growth. It's, it's outstripped the growth of the PC industry in general. But Apple's share is actually still really small. Apple's share of the global pie in, in Max is quite small. I think their global share is now approaching 4%. So that's a huge amount to be able to grow. I mean, Microsoft is in the opposite position where they, they have everyone, I mean, they originally had, at the beginning of the decade, they had 98% market share in Windows, and they had something along the lines of 90-something percent share in Internet Explorer. So it's kind of a fight to retain that. And I was kind of surprised to find out Internet Explorer is now below 50%. Something like 48% of users are on Internet Explorer. Depends on which survey you look. I saw 59%, but still, it has eroded so much. It's amazing, which is maybe why Internet Explorer 9 may actually be a fairly standards-compliant browser with HTML5 support. Yeah, I mean, it's important to have competition. I think I was looking at an average of... I think Wikipedia does an average of stack counter and net applications and everybody does, you know, looks at what's who's using the web and they're kind of balancing all together. But yeah, I mean to to have lost half of your audience. I mean Internet Explorer doesn't make a lot of money, but the point of Internet Explorer was to keep people tied to Windows. And so with that kind of out of the not kind of having broken and that's just on desktop computers. I mean if you look at the mobile industry, Internet Explorer has basically no presence among mobiles. Windows Mobile 7, I mean, Windows Mobile and Windows Phone 7 and the Zune, everything that runs a mobile version of IE, don't, doesn't even matter. I mean, it's not even selling. It's basically the blip. That Apple used to be a blip. They are the blip. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Hi, 
This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. I'm Roger Rao at Midas Resources. If you are going through a financial roller coaster because of your investment in stocks, bonds, and other paper assets, perhaps you're ready for a change. You have an opportunity to change your financial security. Get the stability and peace of mind you deserve by investing in precious metals. Gold and silver have been a form of wealth protection for over 5,000 years all over the world. If you have seen your hard-earned money lose value because of inflation, sliding dollar, etc., it's time you stop the bleeding. The answer to your problems is simple. Gold and silver will protect your assets and your purchasing power. Physical possession of precious metals, IRA rollover, etc. Call me, Roger Rao, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Take action today when we are still accepting paper dollars for gold and silver. Ready for a change? Call Roger Rao at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Again, it's 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Who is Sam Andy? Sam Andy Foods is life insurance in a can. Life insurance you can eat. Sam Andy Foods has been serving loyal customers worldwide for over 50 years. Why so long? Simple. Sam Andy Foods have perfected the taste and quality of low moisture foods. Foods that last 15 to 25 years. And that's made us an industry leader among families, sportsmen, outdoorsmen, churches, schools, people living in remote areas, U.S. troops in wartime, and many others. Sam Andy is America's leading supplier of over 100 high-quality, low-moisture products, and everything you need to survive in any emergency. Visit SamAndy.com today for your free full-color catalog and free trial subscription to the Survival Times newsletter. That's SamAndy.com. Just like it sounds, SamAndy.com. Or call toll-free 1-888-331-0358. Your one-stop shop for everything your family needs to prepare for any emergency. Sam Andy Foods. Life insurance in a can. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We return with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. He also writes for AppleInsider.com, kind of dissecting Apple's standing in the marketplace with record earnings, how Windows is going. And supposedly, who was it, LG or Samsung, saying that sales of Windows Phone 7 products are not that good? Well, LG, um, if you remember when Windows Mobile started really I mean, they started really dogging it as soon as the iPhone came out. And they were kind of just hitting some momentum. I mean, they're actually selling quite a lot of phones because that's all there was. I mean, there was no Android, and the alternative was Rim or Palm. So Windows Mobile was actually selling, actually making up this kind of like bulk of the Samsungs and the LGs and the, the companies that don't know how to make their own software. And when the iPhone came out, it really hit that hard. And in 08... Microsoft kind of fumbled around in 2009. They kind of fumbled around trying to shore up Windows Mobile. And then last year, Microsoft came out and said, okay, this is not going to work. We're going to come out with an entirely new operating system that was basically Windows Mobile 7 with a new look. And that was, that was about the best thing Microsoft could have done in, in within a year. And it took them all of the year to do it. I mean, they were not executing really rapidly on this turnaround strategy. But when they announced it, I mean, they kind of announced it at the beginning of 2010, everyone else had been kind of burned on Windows Mobile so badly that the only, the only company they could really attract was LG. So at the big um, mobile confab at the beginning of 2010, LG was brought out and said they were going to come out with 50 different phones over the next year, as if that would be a good thing for Windows Phone 7. But at the end of the year, I mean, LG has shipped some of those phones, but no one's really picking it up. And their answer to that was kind of interesting. It was, I think it was the president or I don't think it was a CEO, but it was somebody within, it was somebody in a technical role at LG saying that they wanted Windows Mobile to succeed because Android was kind of seen as being too complicated. But at the same time, they were, they were seeing this kind of response and he described a kind of you know, first-hand observation that Windows Mobile or Windows Phone 7 is boring I mean, the whole point of Windows Phone 7 is to kind of have, you know, the thing they're advertising is that you have this kind of simple screen of big buttons. So it's, it's like more iPhone than the iPhone. So right now you have Apple's iPhone, and then you have Android, which is kind of a do-it-yourself erector kit, kind of like Windows or Linux on the desktop. You know, it's, you can do anything you want, but good luck getting into work. Or Windows Mobile is kind of the opposite direction, where it's, they copied kind of all the restrictions of Apple in terms of, you know, you can't, you, you can't use other, you know, they don't want everyone building stuff in Flash and Java and whatever else. They want it to be very consistent and, and look a certain way and um, be manageable in the way that the iPhone is. Because Android isn't very manageable. No one's really in control. And so they were trying to kind of outdo the iPhone and being iPhone-ness. 
and what they got ended up with was something that their main licensee calls boring. But LG's strategy, I mean, going forward, they're not trying to dump it. They're trying to say that eventually that will become the new low end, that that will sell smartphones to people who have never used a smartphone before and don't want the complication of Android. So it'll be interesting to see it because that hasn't happened so far. I mean, so far, um, I've, I've done a, a kind of a limited look at Windows Mobile 7, and um, it certainly looks nicer than the old pen-based you know, thing that was trying to be the Windows desktop. It was trying to be Windows 95 squished into a, a phone. Um, it looks a lot better than that, but it still has that kind of weird kind of Windows feel of where you feel like you're about to go back into DOS. And even though it's simple, it, it's kind of too simple. There's a lot of things you just can't do. So it is. It, it's it's like more. It's like somebody turned up the the Apple dial too far and it, it broke. You know. <laughs> Maybe kinda, part of the reason you say it's simpler is because they don't have the apps, so this is an excuse. Well, I mean that's kind of the design of it. But there's a lot of things that you you just can't do. It's just too simple. So there's a lot of just not options, and it's really difficult in a 1.0 project to come out with something that does feel mature and, and fleshed out. Yeah. Apple's products aren't fleshed out and mature at 1.0, but they are really impressive. Because, I mean, if you look at what Apple did with the iPhone, they didn't try to feature match everything else out there. They just did 80% really, really well. And then the 20%, it was kind of like, well, you can, it's understandable this feature isn't there because everything else is so good. Or Microsoft kind of comes out with, they did everything sort of okay. I mean, it's, it's not bad. But it's not mind-blowing in the way that the iPhone was when it came out. I think they, a lot of people a lot of people supporting Windows Phone 7, and I think maybe the people that are developing it are comparing themselves to the iPhone in 2007, saying, this is, you know, we're trying to accomplish what Apple accomplished when they released their first phone. Well, that would be good if, if Microsoft were actually in 2007. But they're not. They're in 2011. Isn't that part of the problem of Microsoft in recent years? They always do that. They imitate the product of two, three years ago and say, hey, we'll catch up. Just stay with us. Yeah, but when you catch up, they're somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously not trying to deliver the past. They're just working on what they see other people doing. And so when they do get done with it, it's the same as other people that already delivered in the past. Whereas, I mean, if you look at Apple, in some cases, Apple isn't always on the cutting edge. I mean, a year ago, um, all these Android phones had screen resolutions that were considerably higher than the iPhone, the iPhone 3GS, and delivering some other things, noise cancellation microphones and things like that. They had these cool little features that the iPhone just didn't have. And people were saying, oh, Apple slipped behind. They don't know what they're doing. They're just going to be totally buried in this landslide of Android stuff. Well, when Apple came out with iPhone 4, they leapfrogged everybody. So, I mean, if you look at reviews, I mean, even people like PC World that are really not trying to advance Apple at all, they agree that Apple has the best camera and the best screen and the best, you know, kind of overall build and the way it works. And those are hardware things. That's the things that Android licensees are supposed to be racing ahead in. But Apple also has the best software. I mean, there's just a lot of things that are easier to do on an iPhone. I, I think I mentioned last time I was I was with my friend, we were on a plane trying to hook up to Wi-Fi and just couldn't get her Droid Incredible to work on it. And, you know, I have a decade of experience, you know, more than that in, in managing IT networks and I can't get this Wi-Fi phone to connect to the network. How are other people who are not technically interested in, in dealing with that kind of junk going to want to buy into that sort of a situation? You raise so, a big question there 
a big dilemma. Yeah, one of, one of the kind of things that I thought was interesting, I, I think it was Cook said it, was that there's a lot of companies that don't want to be integrators. And that's what Apple is. I mean, people think of it as being a hardware company, and you know, you also have to recognize that it's a pretty important software company. But what Apple really is, is an integrator. They know how everything works, and they put a lot of things together. And when they're missing a piece, they go to other people. So Apple doesn't you know, develop its own RAM chips, but they identify things that are useful that other people are doing, you know, kind of like the iPod. They went out and found Toshiba's little mini drive that Toshiba didn't really know what to do with it. They had built this one point, I think 1.8 inch drive that was really cool, but Toshiba didn't see a value for it of how it could be used. Sometimes companies do that. They build something, say, hey, this is something. We can build it. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter it's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy flu away elderberry liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate formula, Oregacillin Physician Strength Capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy, Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. 
They all laughed when I told them my body cleansing tonic was tea. But after 10 days, my body feels way more energized, and I've lost nearly 15 pounds. <laughs> They're not laughing now. That's what John from Oklahoma said about Life Change Tea. In the six months of being on the tea, all my digestive problems have cleared up. My energy levels have gone way up, and my constipation problems are no more. And that's what Michelle from California said about Life Change Tea from GetTheTea.com, the amazing all-natural tea that cleanses your body from toxins, chemicals, bacteria, viruses, and molds, while helping to lower high blood pressure, high cholesterol, lower blood sugar levels, and help you lose weight. Life Change Tea has no caffeine and is all natural, all organic. Go to GetTheTea.com today or call 928-308-0408. That's GetTheTea.com or call 928-308-0408. Life Change Tea really changes things. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine is with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're looking over Apple's performance how well they did in 2010, the prospects for 2011, how the competitors are doing. Now, obviously, the big issue now for the iPad wannabes is they're looking at the bullet points. The iPad 1.0 didn't have the camera. They have the camera. Didn't have an SD card slot. We're talking about possibly the iPad 2, wherever it's called, is going to have the camera, possibly a rear-facing camera, possibly an SD card slot. So where does that leave the imitators? Well, the hardware, yeah, the, I mean, the hardware is not going to be where the competition is. The, the value of a tablet, and if you have a brand new iPad, the most exciting thing to do with it is plug it into the store and start looking at what's available. And so it's not going to be hard for competitors to come out with a similarly equipped tablet device computer because a lot of the, there is some proprietary stuff that Apple's done in terms of, being able to work with this super thin shell and access to parts and being able to bring the iPad hardware to customers at a price that's really cheap that other people just can't do. But even if you can match it within a year or two, you have the problem of you can't just run all the same software. So you have to actually build a platform as well. You have to build a platform for apps. You have to build a platform for media. And that starts to become a, kind of an expensive situation. So at some point, you're getting to the point where you're just copying Apple's uh, inventions and you're not delivering anything of value. Unless you can copy someone's stuff and either make it smaller or cheaper or faster or better in some tangible way, it's pretty hard to sell your stuff, particularly if you're not making as much money as Apple is. So that, you know, that's a big problem. You can look at the same thing with computers. If you remember back in the day before Windows kind of took over, there were all these companies that were making... You know, Apple had the Macintosh, and um, Commodore had the Amiga. Atari made the ST. It was very easy to to copy the hardware of the Macintosh. What was difficult to pull off was to attract software developers to build software for it, all these different things. It was hard enough for Apple to get everyone to be building software for its unique platform. All these little companies didn't really stand a chance. And that's kind of why Windows took over, is because... It was too difficult to develop software for all these different things. And what you have now is Apple's kind of becoming the, the Microsoft of 
tablets in a sense because they have this ability to get software out there that other companies just can't do. I mean, everybody else is relying upon Google for that. But Google's not doing a very good job. I mean, the, the, the Android store just doesn't work, and it doesn't work at all for tablets. So you end up with a situation where Apple is selling tablets the way every other manufacturer on Earth sells every other product. When you buy a car, you don't buy hardware from Chevy and an operating system from the only company on Earth that makes you know, everything else about how the car works. Everyone else well, Ford licenses Earth. technology from Microsoft for their sync feature. Okay, I don't, I don't mean software in a, in a literal sense. I mean the experience of a Windows PC is Windows. The experience of a Ford or a Chevy or a, you know, a Mitsubishi or any, any other vehicle on Earth is created by that manufacturer. When you buy a BMW, it's because you're attracted to the features of BMW's design and styling and performance and all these different factors. That's not the case with PCs. People don't buy a Dell because of those kind of things. They buy a Dell because it runs Windows. There's no Dell experience. Yeah, there's no HP experience. Those are the two major hardware makers on Earth for PCs. What's interesting, I just wrote this article. I, I got the, the um, IDC press release on how tablets were doing, and they have decided to define tablets in this fantastically complicated way that, in practice, separates tablet PCs running Windows on one, in one bucket, the iPad basically in its own bucket. They call it a media tablet. <laughs> and then e-readers on, on, in a separate, ta- separate bucket. And this sort of makes sense when they explain it. But what it, what it results in is not comparing the Kindle to the iPad and not comparing Microsoft stuff to the iPad. So they end up with three buckets. One is... One is dominated by Apple, of course. One is dominated by Amazon, and it's this thriving e-reader market. And the other is dominated by Microsoft, and it's real serious, and it has nothing to do with the iPad. Well, that's, that's obviously a lot of that's, – that's just a lie because there's only one real market for this stuff. It's all the same market. There's a lot of things that you can do with an iPad that you can't do with a Kindle, sure. But the Kindle's significantly less, and there's cheap e-readers that are like 130 bucks. Those things are competing, in a way, against the iPad because people will choose to buy one or the other. Okay, yeah, but there are people who buy iPads and Kindles because, at least right now, because it's lighter and a slightly better screen, even though it's black and white, the Kindle is a somewhat better reading experience. Of course, that's, that's, but that's still the choice. So if I have a two-car garage, I don't, I'm not you know, bound to buying two Fords. I'm going to buy a Ford, and I might buy a Chevy, or I might buy a motorcycle. That motorcycle is competing against my desire to buy another Chevy. All vehicles compete because they're part of the same market. The Kindle and the iPad are competing against each other, even if there's reasons why you'd want to buy the Kindle instead. And in fact, the Kindle is going to get increasingly more sophisticated. Already, They already have a Wi-Fi model, and they're very likely going to start adding additional apps. So they're going to want to morph into their own version of a tablet computer. I mean, exactly. I mean, these are different tablet products. So Kindles, I mean, Amazon is defining the Kindle as a certain type of product that does things that the iPad doesn't do in the same way that the iPad chooses not to do everything that, a you know, this Microsoft tablet PC does. There's no built-in support for handwriting, for example. You can do it, but it's not something that, it, that Apple has designed it to do. And there's a lot of other things. I mean, it doesn't have a slide-out keyboard, physical keyboard that's part of the case. So 
So no, the Kindle and the iPad aren't the same thing, but they're, they're both tablets and they're really in the same market. And if you look at them as being the same market, then instead of Amazon having 40% of the e-reader market and Apple having 87% of the media tablet market and Microsoft having 100% of the, the tablet PC market, it turns into a tablet market. And Apple owns 58% of it, more than that. And if you really start looking at what a tablet is, then there's all these other little devices like the Nokia internet tablets. That's a tablet. It's kind of small. It's like a smartphone size, but it's a pocket computer. And it really conceptually competes against the iPad for attention. And when you start defining that as a tablet, then you have to say the iPod Touch is also a tablet because it does a lot of things that it's the iPad Touch does the same thing as the e-reader does. It's smaller. People would have a reason to choose one or the other based on their preferences. But they're part of the same market. And when you rope in iPod Touch sales, then Apple suddenly becomes 80% of all of tablet devices on Earth. That's including everything from $130 pan digital e-readers that they sell in Bed Bath & Beyond up to you know the high-end iPad that's 800 bucks. That is shocking, and that's why IDC doesn't report that. Conversely, if you, if you call the iPad a PC, like IDC and Gartner are, are working really hard to spin reality and to say that iPad is not a PC, it is. It's a personal computer. There's certain things you can't do on the personal computer, on, a, on an iPad that you can do on a PC, but there's also an awful lot of things you can do on a netbook. Or you, you can't do a lot of PC things on a netbook, is what I'm saying, and they count that as a PC. So if you start counting iPads as PCs, like they should be, then Apple goes from being like the number fourth in the United States or number five in the United States to being number one in the United States, 24% of the market. That's, that's something that no one's saying yet. Well, I'm saying it. I'm saying that, you know, <laughs> PCs can be either the tablet PC or the traditional notebook or desktop, but they're all PCs, variations on the theme. Some have different operating systems. Some have different feature levels. But in fact, they are all fundamentally the same kind of product in the sense that they have functions that very much overlap. And more and more you see productivity and stuff like that being done on the iPad and probably more so as we go to the future. Once again, you could write us news at technighthow.com. That's news at technighthow.com. And we'll look at the future of the iPad in our final segment with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine at RoughlyDrafted.com, also Apple Insider at AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, neighbors. Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac. Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows. And Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. 
Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Extend your life with When I had a heart attack at 42, I was not sure what the future held. But a year later, the doctors could find nothing wrong with me and took me off all my medication. What did I do? I took a herbal mixture of garlic, cayenne, and a few other herbs mixed in liquid form. I now call this Extendovite. I would have never believed that a few simple herbs could actually change my life like they did. Now it's your turn to see what the powers of garlic and cayenne can do for you. For only $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid, you too can begin on your path to better health. For more information, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Hello. At ofthefield.com, we strive to empower you with wild food preparedness. We get lots of amazing positive feedback, most of which we feature on ofthefield.com. Here's a small sample of all that people like you have to say about the wild food experience. It's inspiring for many who are affected by the recent downturn of the economy. I already knew a bit about foraging and edibles, but you take it to a whole new level. A thousand thanks to you for all that great knowledge. It was empowering. When I was in the Navy, I went through a couple of quick land survival classes. Thank you for being an inspiration and for all the work that you do. I really appreciate the depth and detail of the information. Thank you so much. Much love and respect to you from all of us here in the boonies thanks again knowledge is power and that power brings peace folks thanks for letting us help you get back to basics read all of the testimonials at ofthefield.com you can order online for you and your loved ones or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE to share in the secret <clears throat> sore throat spray that with dermatol <laughs> diaper rash spray that with dermatol ouch burn or cut Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We're down to the tail end of the Tech Night Out Live for this week with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. 
So let's look at the next iPad. Some people are saying a doubling of the screen resolution, which is in effect four times as many pixels, almost retina display. But can they do it? Can Apple afford to do that? It would appear that Apple can't afford to do that. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of different things that are pointing towards that. Um, just recently, John Gruber put out, uh, he called it throwing cold water on it. And he mentioned a couple things that I'm trying to think what, what exactly he was describing. But it, it made it sound like that the whole idea was kind of impossible. There is kind of consensus on the idea that Apple's not going to just slowly bump up the resolution of the iPad until it gets to Retina. It's going to just make a jump. And what Gruber was saying that that's, he, he's saying that it's probably not going to happen with iPad 2, that's just around the corner, that it may happen next year or off in the future sometime. But that when Apple does make the jump, it's going to make one jump to twice as much resolution. And the reason he said that it was less likely to happen is because the camera app that was discovered in the developer builds of iOS 4.3 is designed in, in this 1024 by 768 resolution. Well, yes, Apple hasn't released super high resolution yet, so one would not expect its apps, even its developmental apps, to be designed in that high resolution. Moving to the high resolution would not be difficult for Apple to do. All they have to do is come up with more detailed bitmaps. It's just a file you replace, and it suddenly takes advantage of the high resolution, in effect, um, on, on the app level at least. So it would make sense for Apple to start showing developers an app that would work on the same way as existing iPad apps work, even though it's pretty clear that they're going to go to a high resolution in the future. So that, that to me, doesn't say, no, that's not going to happen. Um, the other thing he's saying is that it's cost prohibitive. It would be too expensive. The screen would be too expensive and that having a screen of that resolution would require far more RAM. Well, I think the iPad already needs far more RAM than it has. Well, it's shipped with half the RAM of iPhone 4. So it needs a lot more. RAM appears to be cheap in part because of the iPad. Because maker PC makers' sales of kind of low-end laptops and stuff are dying because of the iPad and the iPad ships with very little RAM as opposed to these computers that were running Windows that had to ship with 4 gigs or more. So there's a huge glut of RAM on the market because of the iPad. So I think iPad 2 would not have too much problem shoving more RAM into it. Whether Apple can do that at a lower price point it remains to be seen, but Apple doesn't have to get really cheap with iPad 2 because it already has iPad 1 and people are buying it like crazy. So Apple can ship, continue to sell iPad 1 as its $500 model and come up with this amazing high iPad Pro thing on a tier above that. That's significantly more. And people will. What they buy could both. do, which is another possibility here, to basically recognize the fact that they're building more iPads and the cost of production is less is sell the existing iPad or a modified version of it for $100 less and then have an iPad Pro for a couple of hundred dollars more or $100 more to reflect the increased cost of the screen. That's true, but if you look at the iPad, Apple's not having any problems selling it. Other tablets, they're having some trouble shipping in huge amounts. I mean, the Galaxy Tab is considered a success because it was selling a few million or... Maybe a million. I, I don't. I think know exactly it was a million. The last I heard. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's Apple's sold seven-something million in the last quarter, iPads. There is not, they're not tapping out the number of people who want the existing iPad. So when they come out with a new iPad, more people want that one. But they'll be ready to pay more for those extra features. If you look at the iPhone, I mean, Apple did the same thing. They've kind of consistently done that. They come out with iPhone 4, they still sell a 3GS. But they sold it for it's less. For $50. Yeah, That's why I said less. that you cut $100 off the existing line, and you have the new model, right. which you could sell, okay, existing price for $100 more, and suddenly you have two tiers of pricing. If you must have the higher resolution screen, you've got to pay for it. But the difference is that the iPhone actually competes against things that are priced similarly. So the iPhone 4 is a $200 phone with a subsidy. It's actually a $600, $700 phone. But with a subsidy pricing, it's, it's 200 bucks because AT&T or Verizon or whoever is paying for a whole lot of that phone so that you'll pay for a contract. Um, the iPhone 4 is competing against some phones that are less than that. There's a number of phones that are 100 bucks or free to compete with iPhone 4. So Apple has the 3GS that, like you're saying, is kind of tapped out. I mean, it's, they've already paid for the development of it. They can either throw it away or they can sell it for 50 bucks with a contract. Now, iPhone 3GS still costs quite a bit of money. It doesn't actually cost anywhere near 50 bucks. It costs, I don't know, something like four or $500 probably. But because it's cheaper to make, Apple can sell it as a lower tier. With the iPad, you don't have competitors. You don't have people that are saying, here's a 10-inch tablet for 500 bucks," And Apple doesn't have to like squeeze underneath that to say, oh, we have even a cheaper iPad. If Apple keeps selling the, the, the iPad that it has now for 500 bucks, it will still be competing against a playbook that's probably the same amount with less RAM and a much smaller screen from RIM, and these Android tablets that are not going to be cheap. I mean, the, the Motorola Zoom is a 10-inch tablet with an HD screen. It's kind of similar to the existing iPad. It's not going to be 500 bucks, I don't think. Yeah, but also Apple could upgrade the current iPad with a somewhat thinner form factor and add the cameras without materially changing the cost of production, sell it at the same price, and then offer the pro version with the enhanced screen. That's possible if they wanted to have multiple. Maybe better to have, because sure. what they're trying to do, I mean, they have this new chip that they're coming out with. So it, like you're saying, it may be better to have a low-end iPhone, uh, iPad 2 that you're saying has basic specs, but a new design and the same chip. And a high-end, because that's, that's similar to what they do with Macs. You know, they come out with a new generation of Macs. There's the one everybody wants, and then there's the one that's a little bit less than everybody wants, but for what everybody wants to pay for it. And then there's, like, options above that as well. So people decide, hmm, do I want, to, do I want this Mac model for the least amount I can pay for it, or do I want the version that I really want, or do I really want, I want this version that I'm tempted to get that's even more than I want to pay? So it's, it's you know, creative pricing. And that's actually... I would say that's as likely. So Apple could either continue selling the old model just because it's tapped out, kind of like the iPhone 3GS, or, like you're saying, they could come out with a low-end iPad 2 that is functionally the same in terms of having the same amount of, you know, same processor, the same new, whether it's going to be the A5 or the A8 or whatever. It's expected to be this dual-core um, dual core graphics chip and a dual-core processor cortex a9 which is what everybody else is using in their their next version of tablets so that would make sense as well because it would allow apple to sell millions of these 
chips kind of paying for this development because the more the more you can sell in quantity the more you have these economies of scale to bring the price down so we don't know which is going to happen but it'll be a little bit disappointing if it doesn't if there isn't a, like a super high screen version available but you know there's there's other things that are cool about it as well We'll have to see where Apple goes. This is the kind of speculation we won't know the answer to until probably February or thereabouts when we learn about what's going to be in the next iPad. Will there be retaining an old lower-end model with a higher-end model to take advantage of the higher screen and the increased cost of screens with all those pixels? Who knows? Daniel Aaron Dilger, where do we find more of the stuff that you do? I'm running pretty regular on Apple Insider, appleinsider.com. And then I try to, um, whenever I get too upset about something, <laughs> I rush to my own blog and write it up on um, roughlydrafted.com. And if people have uh, suggestions about things I can write about, that's welcome too. I always like to get tips and hints. We'll have to tell them. To find more of the stuff that I do, technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. We're also technightowl at Twitter. Once again, you could write us news at technightowl.com. That's news at technighthal.com. Our other radio show is the Paracast about UFOs, about things that go bump in the night, paracast.com. A special thank you on the Tech Night Owl Live for Daniel Aaron Dilger. Thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.